You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest this week is Chris Kremitzos. He is the founder of PodFest Multimedia Expo since 2013. It's an annual international conference with thousands of registrants focusing on anything and everything related to being successful in the world of podcasting. He's also a two-time Guinness World Record holder for the largest virtual podcasting event, and he's conducted over 2,000 in-person events. I'm not quite sure how that's humanly possible, but doggone, I want to learn about it. And he's also the author of the best-selling book, Start Ugly, which I feel like should be my theme song when my alarm clock goes off in the morning, but that's a topic of a different show. Chris, welcome to Speaking to Influence. Thank you for having me on. Before we get into the ins and outs of podcasting, what's your fun fact? So my fun fact is, as a hobby, I will go into the woods of Florida looking for chameleons. (laughs) How hard are they to find? I would imagine they're difficult. Well, I'm not talking about iguanas or little lizards. They're like invasive chameleons. They're all over Florida. So you find them with reflecting flashlights at night and they'll be 20 feet up on. It's just I get a kick out of the fact that they're in people's backyards. I have a friend that lives in an area where they're, they're out there and just a hobby. We take pictures of them. We can't get them. They're too high up. But you'll see chameleons that belong in Yemen and South Florida. Oh my goodness. It's almost ironic to think about, isn't the whole point of what makes a chameleon unique, the fact that it changes its color to camouflage itself into the environment? So it's almost like looking for an invisibility cloak. Correct. So at night, that skill, it turns to a weapon because they, they're like a reflector. They glow in the dark because of that specialty skin in the daytime that they're... But you know, a predator wouldn't see them because a predator doesn't have a flashlight. We have an unfair advantage, but it's pretty interesting to watch them reflect back. I have to say, if you had given me 10 guesses to guess what your fun fact would be, I would not have come within about 5,000 miles of guessing that one. (laughs) I have all these other fun facts, but that's just a fun kick I've been on lately. All right. Well, you have to send me some pictures afterwards. I want to see some of the chameleons. Sounds like fun. So let's see. Why did I invite Chris on the show today? Everybody in my space, all of my clients, everybody in that specialty leadership expert space is now talking about one particular topic, and that's expanding your thought leadership. How do you get known as the go-to expert to invite for panels and interviews and all sorts of other things? Well, what better way to expand your reputation as the go-to thought leader than on podcast? So whether you're a host or a guest, I can share my experiences, but who better to give real insights than the founder of the annual PodFest Global Multimedia Expo Conference, to give insights on the trends in the world of podcasting and tips on how everybody out there, all of you, can leverage podcasts as industry professionals by doing two things. Number one, being the best guest possible and maybe even launching a podcast of your own if you feel so inclined, inspired, or perhaps crazy, depending on your perspective. I love it. I bet you will too. So first, with all that as context, Chris, when you think about thought leadership, What does that mean in the world of podcasting? When I think of thought leadership, I think of people like Andrew Huberman of Huberman Labs. So he's a a professor that now is a thought leader thanks to his podcast. 
right now, Mel Robbins is really popular. So I just think of individuals that have taken podcasting and they've used it as an accelerant to their thought leadership. So they had some form of thought leadership, could have been speaking, could have been their subject matter expertise, but they utilize podcasting almost like a megaphone to allow it to expand into a much broader reach. And you see it happen in my, from my vantage point, because I deal with podcasting, I see it happen every week that there's a new thought leader that seemingly gets born in the podcast space that I never heard of, that was already big in their niche. But once they get a podcast, they start crossing over. What is it about the podcast format and about them as podcast hosts that you think helps them to cross over, as you said, and to take it to the next level, to go from being just an industry expert to being that thought leader suddenly exploding on the scene? So for those individuals that I'm thinking of, they tend to be very competent and very good at their niche. But when they get on podcasting, it does two things. It allows them to expand their own studies by interviewing other people in verticals that are next to their vertical, but it also allows their guests to share that interview, people to share that interview, and it helps them to exponentially expand their reach in a way that is very rare. So podcasting is a very rare platform because people that listen to podcasts, they're not TikTokers for the most part. What I mean by that is they're not like the fishbowl, I want a three-second hit. They're listening to or watching a show for sometimes over an hour. So these are people that are digesting long-form content, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. So it also deepens your relationship with that individual through this medium that is meant to expand your reach. So it's a very unique medium in that these relationships that you don't even know are happening are deep, unlike like TikTok. I've met TikTokers that have like a million followers. They're lucky if they make two cents sometimes, literally. And you're like, I thought you have millions, but it doesn't account for something. Then you find some podcasters with really niche audiences. And they're making a really good living because they have deep relationships with a very unique subset of people. And I think that's important that you referenced a couple of times just now the notion of the relationship between a podcaster and and a guest for that matter, but the podcaster and the audience that if people are going to be coming back, it's because what do you think it is? What creates that relationship between the podcaster and a a subscriber or someone who at least more than once who comes back for more, doesn't just do a one and done on a, on a particular show? Over the last 20 years, we've gone through a cultural shift. Most people don't have deep conversations with friends by a fire pit anymore. That used to be commonplace where everybody would go out on a weeknight and have conversations about all kinds of stuff. Now what people do is that conversation happens in their head with a podcaster. Even though the person's not talking to that podcaster, they feel like they are. Those deep, meaningful conversations are happening via podcasts. People have a hard time understanding Joe Rogan's popularity because they're like, who listens to three hours of information? I don't know sometimes if it's the information. I think it's also the camaraderie of people feeling that they don't have a friend group to listen to, and they almost feel like they're at the table having the conversation alongside with the podcaster. So there's this unique thing that's happening because of the confluence of events that have happened in our society. We're becoming more siloed. So this is a way for us to tap into a very deep and meaningful conversation, even though if we're not having it, we feel like we are, even though we're only ingesting it. So it creates a very unique thing. If I go on YouTube, YouTube's algorithm is built to make you click on tons of videos so they could charge you on the ads that you're watching. But a podcast, whether it's on YouTube or RSS, meaning Apple and all the other players, Someone's listening to a podcast, they're pretty much listening to the majority of that podcast. Even the short clips of a podcast are like 10, 15 minutes. If you see on YouTube, that's long, right? That The short clip is 10, 15. So it's a very special thing that I think we're going to get more. I, I only think we're at the beginning. I know, Laura, you've been doing it for a while. So have I. 
even though I'm biased and I, I've always, I'm like, how much can we get more? I think we're at the beginning of this cultural shift. So we're going to see a lot more guests, a lot more creators, but they're going to be specialized. They're not going to be the celebrity types. I don't see that. That area has already found its plateau, for instance. So as, as celebrities get old, new ones come in, if that makes sense. But the growth I see is in the subject matter expert, people that know their stuff and there's no, there's an audience waiting for someone to step up in that void. I see that area expanding quite a bit. And that's kind of who we cater to at PodFest, along with tons of pretty cool independents. That's exciting. That's exciting. So for everybody out there who's listening and who wants to now become a part of that world, whether as a guest on somebody else's show or perhaps by creating their own, let's start with being the guest. For those who want to get onto the podcast, I'll call it stage, the audio stage, what would you say are the top three tips, for example, do's or don'ts to go from not just being the knowledgeable expert? We know everybody out there is already that, but who can show up and make the host say, wow, that guest was awesome. Well, one of the techniques I like using is having a piece of paper or a pad or whatever, or your online notes and writing down your stories. And I don't mean writing down the entire story. I'm, I mean, like writing a bullet point of a story that triggers your memory. And that story should have an inherent lesson embedded in it. And I know a lot of people don't realize this, but we all have a lot of stories. We just don't realize we have them. If you know you're getting interviewed, let's say a week from now, make it a point that every day you're writing down a bullet point. So that's one, because that's important. When someone's interviewing, you're on, you're on, you have to have your stories ready. If you have that little sheet with the bullet points, you could just check off what you mentioned. You could keep track of what you're talking about on the show. Now, I want to ask for a clarification on this, because this is something that I feel like I'm always beating a drum. I want to hear your thoughts on why is a story more important than just an expert explanation? I could get 10 experts, give me the same explanation, but a story is unique to you and your experience. And the listener gravitates emotionally to a story much more powerfully than there's a, I'm sure you've heard this, Laura. It's like facts tell and stories sell. So like stories sell emotionally what you're trying to get across. Facts, everybody has facts. There's no differentiator there. I think people love listening to stories. That being said, make sure they're short, succinct. You have to know what your story is. It really helps you on the fly too. If someone asks you something, you're like, this is kind of boring. I haven't said anything exciting. Let me see if I could weave the story into this because people will enjoy that and they'll remember you as a guest. The story will sink into their memory and they'll remember you years later from that story. So that's very good. You used an important word in there that I think many people will have glossed over in listening. Enjoy. A podcast listener needs to enjoy the experience, don't they? I hope so. That's the whole goal. You want to enjoy what you're listening to. Actually, for the host too, it's really good because they enjoy the experience. Everybody listens and they want to listen to the next episode. So that's a great thing. If you're a guest on a podcast, have something that is makes you memorable after the stories. I'll give you an example. I had a gentleman that he was a CPA and he catered to medical groups. So he would only go on podcasts for like dentists. So he knew his niche. At the end of the interview, they would say, hey, do you have anything to, to give away or whatever? And he said, hey, for anyone that is managing a medical office, or for the doctors that have someone managing their medical office, I want to give you my book for free. And he would ship it on his own dime, a physical book to their office. What he was very good at, his, he knew who his target was, wasn't always the doctors listening. It was the person managing the medical office. And his book gave them a blueprint of how to better manage finances. And that's an area most doctors have challenges with. So he wound up building a huge CPA practice by just being a great guest and giving something of value at the end that no one expected. Like It wasn't even like pay for shipping and handling. It was like, give us your address. We'll ship it to you free of charge. And he had someone in his office doing that full time. 
Okay, so we've got the the preparation there. We've got the stories and the connections. What else to make the host say that guest was awesome? There's so many different things. Let me ask you this. What about sound quality? Oh, yeah. Don't use your laptop. So sound quality was exposed during COVID when everybody saw all these celebrities didn't have mics at their house and they didn't know how to use their sound quality. And you could hear the dog barking, the baby crying. And and people forgave some of it. But come on, man, we're, we're in. We're in an age where you could afford a microphone, go buy a mic and the mics are cheap. They're, they're under a hundred dollars, some great mics. But if you want to really invest, you know, you could even invest in the two to 300 dynamic mic, USB enabled. They go right into your laptop. Highly recommend sound quality and a nice pair of headphones. Yep. So do not go with, and I, I won't let any guest on the show unless they've got an external because you don't want to sound like this. Nobody wants to listen to a show where you sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Wah, wah. I know some people that ship the mic to the guests, literally. Yeah. So all that much more important. Great. And then what about things like promotion? So if you're building your thought leadership and you say to yourself, I want to get out there, I want people to know me. If you're not sharing that interview, you're not doing yourself any favors because how are people going to get to know you if you don't even share the things that you're getting on? So highly recommend, not only do you share it, you tag the podcast er that invited you on their show and giving them a shout out because that might make them interested in doing a part two down the road if there ever was a part two. So I highly recommend sharing your your digital assets so people know who you are. And I feel like it's kind of bad form to go on someone else's show and then not promote because it's almost like you're asking them to to help you get better known, but you're not going to help them get better known by sharing it with your lists, with your social media groups, with your friends and family. It just seems kind of ungrateful. If you asked to be on that show and you got on that show, almost 100% you have to share out that show because you asked to be on the show, you were able to get on the show. It's it's just being a good sportsman to share what happened on that show. Good etiquette. Yeah. So we want to make sure that if you're going to ask to be on a show that you are planning to share it out. That's just general good form. And that's certainly a quick way to get other podcast hosts to say to their colleagues, don't have this person. They don't help you. It's, there's an ungratefulness to that point. Some hosts do a great job of making clips, audiograms. They serve it up to you. I mean, they make it even easier to share out the show. It's not that hard. Right. If you're looking to expand your thought leadership, help me help you. Well, especially on LinkedIn, people love that stuff. So if you want to build your business profile on LinkedIn, It's a huge value add. It's not like you're doing them a favor. They're doing you a favor by getting you collateral assets for you to share about your own thought leadership. So I think even more so when it comes to certain platforms. Exactly. Exactly. What about delivery? We talked about stories as being a good format for sharing content knowledge. What are some tips on delivery to really be that sort of charismatic guest? I have one very specific tip that I I go. If I'm meeting a host for the first time and I know they don't know me, My job is to make sure that the host loves what we did. So I'm talking to the host and I'm trying to convert the host to being my best friend by delivering really great content. So obviously we just talked about the equipment, but then having the excitement, being prepared for the interview. The last thing you want to say is like, I'm really tired. I didn't get any sleep last night. You know, thanks for having me on. That is part of the presentation. I know it sounds very mundane, but people do say stuff like that. So you want to deliver for the person and you want to make sure that you perform well for yourself because when that goes out, I've had people reach out to me years after a podcast interview went out, years, like two, three years later, because they'll be like, hey, I heard you on such and such show. And I'm thinking, I don't remember doing that show. And I look back, it's like four years ago. 
they just found that episode. And at that episode, I say, hey, contact me on this or whatever, and they'll find me. So you just don't know how that message gets carried out. Exactly. And that's the thing is that these shows, these episodes, they're kind of out there in perpetuity, whether it's on YouTube or on the social media post or through Apple Podcasts, et cetera. It's there. People will continue to find you later on. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at exactly how the gap between when something goes live and when someone reaches out. It's beautiful to have, just know it's out there so you can leverage it. Now, what about for, for people who've never been on a podcast? They're just ready to take that first step. Where do you start? What are some tips about how to get accepted or how to, how to ask or how to be invited to be a guest? How do you even find the right shows? So one of the best tools that we found recently is Podmatch. Just go register there as a guest. Podmatch, let's get that right, dot com. Yep, they do their best at trying to match you to podcasters. I believe it's a freemium to a very small, it's, it's not much. It's the fastest growing service in the podcasting space. And part of it, I think, is the AI that they're using is phenomenal, but also the name's easy to remember to refer. That's one. The other thing is if you're really nervous and you're trying to get on shows, I recommend finding the shows that are really small and niche that deal with your subject matter expertise so you're more comfortable and you build yourself up and your brand as you do one show at a time. But over time, you should get pretty comfortable because it's, it's actually a lot of fun being on shows. People are asking you about what you know. So I don't think there's wrong answers. It's a conversation. So I, I think also approaching it as a fun exercise rather than something that's draining or a chore also helps. Remembering to have fun with it is important because if you're having fun, you're going to have fun interacting with the host and then the audience will have fun listening. They'll get into that energy of, of fun. So uh, fun is contagious. I think that's an important message to pull from that. Any other resources you can think about as far as how to find shows in general, how to find the right shows? So I like using Listen Notes as a database. Listen Notes is a great database. I would just type in keywords, what I call pain points of your niche, see what shows come up. And then they also categorize if it's in the top one or 2% of shows. So then you also know how active is the audience of that show. So as a guest, it kind of lets you get on larger, more qualified shows by looking at their algorithm because they rank them by what's the biggest to, to not as big and gives you an opportunity to kind of see who has the most active audience before you actually reach out. And then when you reach out to a show, and, and Laura, this is one I haven't mentioned before, it's really good for them to listen to the show and then email the host and say, hey, I listened to the show. You talked about XYZ. I really enjoyed it. If you're looking for an expert in this area, I cover XYZ and here are some of the pain points. I understand completely that you're probably bombarded by people hosting, but I enjoy your show. Just thought I'd throw it out there as a listener, possibly something that uh, you might want to have in the future. And a lot of times, if you're very succinct and laser pointed on what you're offering, I've seen people get on pretty big shows with that. So I want everybody to realize, in case you weren't paying attention, hit pause and rewind the last 60 seconds because Chris just gave you a template for the email to send to the host of the show that you want to be on. I mean, he just almost verbatim mapped out everything. You can tweak a little here and there and fill in some blanks. But otherwise, that's a great, simple way. You don't need to give them your life story. You don't need to write them an essay. Short, sweet, to the point. Tell me why you think you're a good fit and what value you would add to their particular listeners. And be specific in that one because I get all sorts of people especially PR agents, for example, who will reach out sometimes and say, hey, I've got a great guest for you. And it's abundantly clear that they have never listened to the show. It's like they found a podcast. They like the word influence or leadership or something. And 
they just figure, well, anybody interested in my show would be interested in that person's area of expertise, except they're not at all the kind of people that I interview. And the topic is interesting, but people who are regular listeners to this show aren't coming here for that. That's a big problem in the industry. My wife does guided meditations. If anyone understands what that is, it's literally her guiding someone through meditation. She gets offered guests all the time by PR agents. Obviously, they haven't bothered. It's not an interview show. How do you put someone on a show that's a guided meditation? So, Laura, it's a, it's an egregious problem. And uh, same thing with PodFest. We get PR people offering us to be on our show. Meanwhile, we're an actual event. But listening to a show and, and actually highlighting the things you like genuinely and then offering, I would look at the back catalog of the shows to make sure you're not repeating something and then seeing what you could offer that's different. And it'll allow you to offer something very genuinely. And then many times I've heard podcasters will pick up that person to be on their show. I mean, look, for, if it's the right guest and the right fit, that's awesome. I, it's super great that you've pitched me. I don't have to find you. It's a it's a easy plug it in and, and great content. So we definitely want to find those kinds of things. What about hosting for those who are thinking, well, maybe I do want to start my own show. Let's talk about the construct of a quote unquote podcast in the first place. How narrow is it? What does it mean to have a podcast? So hosting, I'll just give you a couple of things. So the first thing is always remember to hit record. Simple as that sounds, all the veterans have forgotten to record their show at one point. So it's not that hard. But the second is the naming of the show is very important. And Laura mentioned narrow. Laura, so narrow is really the key. How narrow can you go? So one of the things I would recommend, you go into Apple. And the reason why I would do my research on Apple, it's the largest database of podcasts. And I'd start typing in, the words that I think my show should be called. And what I do is I do a related search. It'll pull up related shows and I'll start seeing if there's any similarities or any patterns I need to pay attention to. And naming a show is actually a big part of finding an audience. So I can't stress that enough. And then I, I want to make sure that I know what the pain points of my audience is as I start the show. So I would do that initial research to find out. So for instance, I had a gentleman by the name of Bill Auxier. He was a healthcare executive and he created like some general leadership show. He didn't get much traction. And then he saw that in his field of healthcare, the shows in his area were called rural healthcare shows because he dealt with rural healthcare groups in like rural areas. So he then renamed his show, the Rural Healthcare Leadership Show. It took off, but it took off with the right kind of people, the people in his industry. And then he was offered a very, when I, I mean a lot of money, more than six figures to lead up an entire rural healthcare group because of his thought leadership from that one show. He was already an executive. So it just, it was interesting to see someone that's in an industry and because they were able to pivot and find the exact name and keyword, he was huge in the US and Australia. Australia has a lot of rural healthcare groups. He took me out to breakfast one day to thank me because we always talk about finding your, your niche and understanding that related keyword search is actually a big deal in Apple. If you could do that, it could really help you find a group of listeners probably searching for what you're about to deliver. When you think about formats of shows, my show, it's been running for three years now. We've got 150 something weekly episodes that we've we've launched. So there's that kind of continuity. But do you have to commit to something seemingly in perpetuity or what's reasonable to say this counts too? So format is the other. So if we were to take the two opportunities, you're hitting it right on, on the head, Laura. One is your naming and your brand opportunity, right? So that's your keywords. The second is your format opportunity. So what I would recommend is listening to shows in your niche 
and seeing what format. So I'll give you some examples. Obviously, we know the weekly show. That's a standard format. Someone does a, a show once a week. It's consistent every Tuesday. Whenever they release it, we know it's coming out. We have noticed that there's no drop-off to once a week or twice a month. So we have a couple of shows that do twice a month. They're, they do just as well. We do notice a drop-off if it goes to once a month unless it's very specialized content. So the frequency of twice a week can still work. And then you have people that are really busy. And I recommend that they batch record and many people are familiar with this in TV land. It's a season or a series, but let's say it's someone that's like, they'll say to me, Chris, I specialize in this really weird area of business. I don't know if there's an audience. What I'll recommend them to do is create a Q&A show. And all I ask them to do is write the top 10 questions that they get asked every day or constantly and to record answers to those questions and they drop a season. So I had a friend that was a specialized diamond jeweler, like high-end diamonds. And then I said, what are some of the questions you get asked? And he started talking about like chocolate diamonds, canary, like all these weird things and VVS quality, all this stuff. So I just said to him, start with the most general questions and then get as specific as you can towards the end. So then when he's out networking, because he was big, he loves sponsoring big events. But I said, when people ask you more questions, you could email them this podcast of Q and A's to deepen that relationships. So imagine like you just met someone, but now they listen to five of your episodes. You basically just went, five deep in that conversation and that relationship without having to do five more meetings. There's a lot of variables because it's on-demand searchable content. That's what people don't realize. So the content's searchable, it's on-demand. So I could search the titles and other people could find you outside of your direct networking. And that's the benefit of podcasting. And this is something where do they have to be uploaded to Apple or Spotify or some of those other platforms? Or is there other other places? They could be private if you want to upload them privately to your own service or they could be uploaded publicly. It's your choice. That's the beauty. So you could do either or. I have seen some people in corporate, they want it private because they're doing corporate training. They might want it private so they could host it on their own service, like Dropbox or Google Drive, or it could be that simple. And then I have seen people that put it on Apple because they also want people to find them organically as they're pushing it out on their own. It's kind of like selling a book. You're selling this feed, but then people are going to find it anyways because they might be searching and they might happenstance on it. Now, my show traditionally is about 35 minutes per episode, give or take, but it doesn't have to be that long, does it? No, I mean, we had a member, he's a former doctor, and he was doing Q&As for people taking their MCATs, their medical tests, and his Q&A show, five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, as long as the answer is, it's just as good. If they have more questions, guess what? They're reaching out to you. So now you're building your thought leadership very quickly. Sure. And at that point, you know, you could do six questions on one giant episode, or you do six questions, one on six mini videos, in which case it just looks like you have more episodes. People do the bite-sized chunk. We already know, as you referenced earlier, the attention span is not there for most people anywhere nowadays. So great. Give them a five-minute piece. If they like it, they'll click on the next, and then they'll come to you and keep listening for more. So it's, it's a great opportunity to get them coming back. And it's a lot easier to share when it's a five-minute nugget to share with other people and spread the word for you, which is always a nice little bonus. If it's getting traction and you're getting people contacting you, then you know you should create more. Yes, even better. So if you've got that organically generated request, your audience is already there. For people who are thinking about hosting a show, what are two or three absolute musts or must nots besides a good microphone, which I'm going to keep beating that drum, but you can pick a different one to be. Yeah, audio quality is huge. Do your homework. So if you're going to have people on, don't wing it. That's like a big thing for me. Know what you're doing. If you're going to be an interviewer, don't be a lazy interviewer, meaning don't ask your guest, tell me your life story, because some people have had like 10 lives by the time you get to them. They don't know which life story you want. So Laura, you're really good at this. You're really good at making sure that 
your guest knows what's expected of them. It makes it much easier to do the interview. So that's one. And also as a interviewer, make sure to listen carefully because sometimes even with all the prep, certain things pop up during the conversation that you could open that door and learn what's going on there. If it's something that you think is interesting for your audience, and then you could go back to the questions that you had. You got to be nimble, able to be curious and looking to learn. I think that's a that's a big one. I love it. All right. Now, with that, Chris, we are just about out of time here. Is there anything that you would like to give our audience today? So if anyone wants to learn more about podcasting, how to expand their reach, we do have a newsletter that goes out every Tuesday and Thursday. It's called the Podfest Messenger. You just go to podfestmessenger.com. Thousands of podcasters and really creators are looking to grow their brand and know what's going on in the industry. Go to podfestmessenger.com to get their updates. And of course, this along with the other resources and links and whatnot that that you've mentioned along the way, we'll put everything in the show notes. So if you're out there driving or in the middle of walking the dog, whatever it happens to be, don't worry. You can come back, check the show notes later and get all those links right there for you. Nice and neat. Chris, this has been a lot of fun. I know we can go on for hours and hours about all things PodFest related. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Laura. And to everybody else, as always, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode if you are joining us for the first time today. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations, and if you're going to be on a podcast as host or guest, you need it, including my picks for mics, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.